Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 373. I love the uh, reaction to 372. Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times was wonderful. And the stuff I saw on social media was very, very complimentary. And I liked that as well. This week, we have another. uh, This guy has such a career. This is going to not be a podcast you're going to want to miss. This gentleman has called games in Los Angeles, in Tampa, in Cleveland, in Philadelphia, uh, in New York, New Jersey. He's done public address. He was involved with Tommy Lasorda in one of the wildest quotes you've ever seen. He was involved with play-by-play, and he's done public address. And now, ladies and gentlemen, he is the public address announcer at the famed Yankee Stadium. We're actually recording this podcast before game five of the American League Division Series, because of the stupid rainout, we thought we'd get him on an off day, but he's actually getting up early to record this podcast so he can schlep out to Yankee Stadium for this game five, which, by the way, when you're listening to this, it's already over and you know who won. So it's a very either joyous Yankee fan listening to this or a very angry Yankee fan and a happy Cleveland Guardian fan who's listening to this podcast. It is also week seven in the National Football League, and we will check in with Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com on the latest odds. I may even ask him about the Syracuse game. Cuse is playing Clemson. I first encountered our guest when I was an intern. I was a mere intern in the summer of 1994. Now, a lot of people get internships. That's nothing uh, to write home about. I happen to choose the greatest summer in the world of sports to have an internship at WFAN radio. That was the year the New York Rangers won the Stanley cup. The New York Knicks went to the NBA finals. OJ Simpson happened. And we'll talk about that later and the baseball strike. And I covered all four of those things in one summer at the time. He was the play-by-play voice of the New York jets. And in the summer, he picked up extra hours doing sports updates. And I was his intern. Ladies and gentlemen, the public address announcer for the Super Bowl, Yankee Stadium, and a longtime friend, the great Paul Olden. Paul, welcome to Sports with Friends. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. We met in the summer of 1994. You had been doing football. Your career was a lot of play-by-play. Like that, 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 That's where this had all started. Was play-by-play what you wanted to do, or did you just want to be in the business and you weren't interested in how? Oh, no, it was play-by-play. It was play-by-play. I was also doing the Yankees on TV that summer on Channel 11 when they uh, carried games over the air for free. Uh, You worked uh, with Bill White and uh, Phil Rizzuto. No, 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 Phil Rizzuto and, and Bobby Mercer. Oh, the late, great Bobby Mercer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so play-by-play was my main uh, desire from age 15. And I had uh, been hired in New York to broadcast the Jets games. I was out in Southern California. Right. And I always say to this day that I'm one of the rarities in New York sports broadcasting uh, that I wasn't born and raised here, didn't go to school here uh, in the area. Uh, I was brought in from Southern California. Uh, and thankfully, I've been, uh, a, for the most part, accepted uh, by all, all uh, fans here as uh, one of their own. Uh, and uh, that makes you feel good that you can uh, kind of be a, a, a an interloper <laughs> uh, <laughs> and come into a market like this and, and gain acceptance. How did you find out about the Jets and why were you looking to move? You Did you like the L.A. market? Were you looking to get out of the L.A. market? Well, I always wanted to work in New York, uh, but uh, I was called out of the blue uh, by a guy named Mark Mason. Uh-huh. Uh, who Former had GM been, of uh, WFAN. Right. Well, he uh, uh, had been there. Uh, and prior to that job, he was the uh, uh, operations manager at WABC. Uh, when at the time they were carrying the Yankees games and I had sent a tape uh, uh, to him a couple of years prior uh, and uh, he called out of the blue and said, hey, I remember your Yankee baseball tape and I know you do football. 
how would you like to do the Jets? And I said, okay. And that was it. Wow. <laughs> Simple <laughs> as that. I wish all jobs were like that. Seriously. Um, you, your, your play-by-play uh, style um, football, you, you had a, a distinct way of raising your voice at times. It was something that it always felt calculated. It not in a negative way. It always felt like you had this ability to turn it on, turn it off, you know, and your conversational voice was always very like, like you're speaking now, but yeah. you knew how to get it to raise the excitement level. Um, this was the the New York Jets. This was the Bruce Coslett years. This was the year where they put the uh, the black face mask on the green helmet, and yeah. the you had an ability when 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 there was a pass completion, you knew it. You didn't have to know. You knew the Jets had the ball just by the tone of your voice. Well, I wasn't a yeller. I've never been a, a screamer type, and and. I was raised uh, in L.A. Uh, and had the pleasure of uh, learning from Ben Scully and Dick Emberg, right. uh, two of the all-time great broadcasters, of course, uh, because when I was 15 years old, I didn't know how to do play-by-play, so I'd turn on the radio and listen to those guys. Oh, that's how you do it, or that's mm-hmm. how you say it, or that's the attitude you're supposed to have, or the demeanor you're supposed to have. Uh, you know, presumably, had I listened to uh, guys who were homers and, and yellers, I would be that way because uh, you, you know, you're a product of your environment. So uh, they always said you could tell where a guy grew up uh, because uh, they pretty much sound like the broadcaster from that era in their particular town, whether it's Pittsburgh or San Francisco or New York, uh, Chicago, uh, St. Louis. You get to tell that they were influenced by, you know, Jack Buck or Bob Prince or Harry Carey, that sort of thing. So uh, in my case, it was Ben Scully and Dick Emberg uh, and Chick Hearn, the great uh, Lakers broadcaster sure. uh, from many years ago. So having those three right there to learn from uh, kind of set the tone for me uh, to develop my kind of low-key style. When did uh, public address get into your world and how, how did that come about? Uh, well, when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, I had uh, been urged by Dick Emberg and a, and a note that he sent me because uh, uh, I had written him, how do you start doing play-by-play? And he said, get a tape recorder and go sit in the stands mm-hmm. or, or a practice off of TV. So I chose to go over to the University of Southern California uh and sit in the stands at the old boulevard field uh and <laughs> and play by play uh i was there so often uh because i lived near the relatively near the school so it was easy to get to i would but i was there so often that the uh, students on the uh kusc radio station noticed me and and asked me if I wanted to uh, do the public address announcing because they were doing that and also broadcasting on the campus radio station at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and and the major uh, players there just wanted to do the play-by-play and not the PA too. So I started doing PA for University of Southern California uh, uh, right around the time Len, Len Swan was our second baseman. <laughs> before wow. he went on to wow. greatness uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. Uh, but uh, but that was back in an era when a lot of football guys played uh, baseball just as a uh, time killer, <laughs> you know, uh, as something else to do to occupy their time until football season came around again. Now, Don't do that so much anymore. No, not anymore. Uh, y- you were working in the seventies, you were working at radio stations, right? Like you weren't necessarily doing play by play, but you were covering games, doing sports casts and the like. Is that, well, was, is that kind of, I was filling in doing occasional high school games uh, in LA. Um, I did uh, a couple of games with uh, John Elway was in high school. Like, wow. I believe Granada Hills high school. Uh, but I was just a fill in, but uh, I was at the, uh, uh, KLAC radio uh, as a paid intern. Uh, oh. I had uh, I had gone to Los Angeles City College because it had a pretty extensive uh, for a junior college. It had a, a real extensive uh, broadcasting uh, uh, operation, 
uh, for future broadcasters, uh, campus radio station and TV station and uh, uh, newsrooms and disc jockeys, studios and things like that. Uh, it's still a, a pretty uh, well-developed uh, broadcasting uh, plant out there in LA. Uh, and it saved a ton of money from, because I thought I, w I wanted to go to USC uh, because they had a campus radio station and they broadcast all their sports, but then they hooked up uh, and became a public radio affiliate and stopped broadcasting their local uh, team on, on campus radio. So I went to LA City College instead and, and uh, no regrets there. It was a, a fun two years and they had a lot of connections to the local radio stations. And so we got, uh, a lot of us got internships all the time. Mm. Uh, but this one was a paid internship at KLAC. Uh, and I wound up staying there six years, eventually working my way from news assistant and uh, you know, news writer and producer uh, to weekend uh, news anchor. I wasn't doing sports. I was doing news. Oh, okay. Uh, which I think is good anyway. It kind of uh, uh, widens your your, your sure. scope uh, of uh, seeing the world, not just as a, a sportscaster, which can be pretty limited. More of our fantastic conversation with Paul Olden, the longtime play-by-play -play announcer, also a public address announcer who now works with Yankee Stadium. But it is week seven in the National Football League, and for that we bring on the head odds maker at Bavada. All right, let's take a look at week seven in the National Football League. The Thursday night game is the New Orleans Saints and the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals have been underwhelming, and so have the Saints for that matter, and both teams are under 500. Interesting game. Uh mostly because we don't really know what the QB situation in New Orleans is going to be yet, Seth. Uh, it could be Taysom Hill. I don't know if Jameis is potentially going to be healthy or if they're going to go in another different direction. So we do have the limits uh, slightly restricted right now at this point. Uh, that being said, the Cardinals are currently minus one and a half point home favorites, so very, very slight favorites. We are seeing more money on the Saints right now in that over-under sitting at 44 and a half. Uh, the Cardinals did just pick up uh, Robbie Anderson, uh, an extra wide receiver from Carolina, who had a bit of a blow up on uh, Sunday with his coaches, immediately traded. I read that uh, immediately after the trade leak that Robbie Anderson got a text that, uh, undisclosed number, but it asked uh, what his kill-death ratio was and what his favorite map was. So uh, maybe he'll fit in pretty well with the new QB in Arizona. All right, let's take a look at Sunday. The San Francisco 49ers hosting uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, first of all, the Chiefs smarting after losing to the Bills in the last minute uh, in what was another classic game. Uh, what do you say about uh, the Chiefs going into Levi's Stadium? Uh, I, you know what? The, the Chiefs didn't look bad against the Bills. I think the Bills just really solidified themselves as the best team in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, everyone else is kind of uh, hunkering for second right now. Uh, looking at the current odds set, the Chiefs are currently three-point favorites on the road at Bavada, and they are taking, yep, quick scroll, more action than anybody else uh, so far uh, for the upcoming uh, week seven. Uh, super weird 49ers team. I mean, you watch them play the Rams, who are defending, you know, Super Bowl winners, and you know, the 49ers look amazing against them. They look like a 49ers team that can make a run. This is a 49ers team that just got humbled by Atlanta. They lost to Chicago, who's no good. It's really weird to make sense of what they're able to do. Um, you know, they obviously play much better home away, which is Kind of the case for most teams, but surprising to see uh, the struggles that they've had against mediocre opponents this year. But uh, odds suggest that should be a close one on uh, Sunday. Over under for this one, Seth, sitting at 48 and a half at Vada. Action split pretty 50-50 on the total there. All right. We want to bring in the New York Giants just because I still can't believe we're talking about the New York Giants. I think it's the fourth straight week we've talked about them on this podcast. Uh, the Giants are in Jacksonville. Why are the Jaguars favored at home against a team that's 5-1, and one, unbeaten on the road? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's certainly a curious one. It's, um, you know, you, you look at what uh, the Giants have been able to do. Uh, you know, we, we do look at how close some of their wins have been, Seth, as well. And, you know, football is notorious like that. Like, talk about how bad Russell Wilson and the Broncos have been. Uh, that's still a team for as bad as they've played could easily be 6-0. They lost a couple overtime games. Uh, they've lost uh, a few others that they really literally fumbled away when it comes to the Raiders. So, you know, looking at this Giants team, they eked one out against the Titans where they were down most of the game. They barely beat the Panthers by three. All that to say, uh, you know, and we kind of think it looking at the Jaguars results the other way that they have kind of been underperforming over the sum of their parts. So 
looking at uh, the odds in this one set, the Jaguars are currently a three-point favorite, which if we're using historical home field advantage metrics, that would kind of suggest that neutral site that these two teams would be evenly matched. Records aside, I, I think that does make sense to me, but uh, the better see it differently, and that's usually what they do see. Uh, this is a, you know, a short memory kind of betting business week to week with the NFL. And as such, about 65% of all bets, uh, money line and point spread are on the Giants at the VADA. Over-under is sitting 42 and a half right now. I know in this segment we've been doing mostly NFL, but there's an interesting college matchup, including my alma mater, the Syracuse Orange, ranked 14th in the nation, taking on number five Clemson. Look, I'm not going to lie. I don't think that my Cuse is going to win, but I'm still going to root for them anyway. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, you, uh, I, I think you weren't sure that they'd be able to do it last week, but it, they are in a bit tougher, uh, as, as we noted, uh, against Clemson. But listen, if they could pull this off, uh, boy, does that rest of the schedule look uh, pretty open for them. You know, they are already bowl eligible, which, uh, you know, before the season started, hey, that's if you told Syracuse fans that October midweek uh, or middle of October that they'd be bowl eligible, got to be thrilled with that. But now now they're, you know, maybe competing. Looking at the current odds, Seth, Clemson is currently a 13 and a half point home favorite at Bavada. The over under is sitting at 50. Uh, and that money line uh, for Syracuse right now is four to one. So again, that's suggesting that Syracuse has about a 20% chance, give or take, to win this game. These odds would have been a lot higher at the beginning of the year if these two teams were playing. You're looking at at least on the other side of 17 and a half, maybe even touching 20. So kudos to what Syracuse has done so far. They've got a, more than a puncher's chance in this one. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, so are the betters because about 65% of all bets are on Syracuse on both the money line and the spread. So uh, th there's a lot of believers out there, Seth. Well, I think many of them have to get their heads examined, but look, let them prove me wrong. Our thanks to Patrick Morrow, the head ads maker at Bavada. He'll be back next week with the week eight previews in the NFL. And maybe we'll sneak in a college game here and there. Now back to our fantastic conversation with the great Paul Olden, the public address announcer at the new Yankee Stadium. For those of you who are kind of new uh, to the podcast, um, Paul and I have something uh, very much in common. Uh, just his was more well-documented than mine. Uh, we have both been told off by Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> um, mine was at the uh, World Baseball Classic in 2002 uh, when I said that uh, if I was a general manager, I wouldn't let any of my pitchers pitch in, an, <laughs> in a tournament uh, in March when you have 162 games coming up and Tommy Lasorda called me a communist. This is what Tommy Lasorda said to Paul Olden when he was asking about Dave Kingman. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the fuck do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was fucking horseshit. Put that in. I don't fucking opinion of his performance. Jesus Christ, he beat us with three fucking home runs. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of, of his performance? Jesus Christ, he hit three home runs. Jesus Christ. I'm fucking pissed off to lose a fucking game. And you ask me my opinion of his performance. Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I asked it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? They just did. That's right. Jesus Christ. The guy hits three home runs against us. Shit. I mean, I don't want to, I don't mean to get pissed off or anything like that, but, uh, you know, you ask me my opinion. I mean, he put on a hell of a show. He hit three home runs. He drove in, what, seven runs? Eight. Eight runs. So what the hell more can you say about it? It was my job to gather tape after game right and you need sound bites so so to ask an open-ended question the, the idea is to get the subject to tell you something it's not a yes or no question yeah yeah well he he told me uh, what he thought and uh it was turned into a nice uh a career i i i later sold the tape to uh, rhino records and they put it yep. on a record 
baseball's greatest hits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I had heard from uh, Tommy's lawyer, uh, and I only heard from him once. I, I didn't hear a, again from him. Uh, and, you know, Tommy and I had uh, plenty of conversations after, uh, afterwards. Uh, uh, so it was one of those uh, kismet things where the, all the stars were aligned. And, uh, and we had a sportscaster in Los Angeles who was kind of like a, a gossipy type of guy at a very popular show. And so he ran that tape with the bleeps in it, of course. Right. right. Uh, and and it became a uh, an underground sensation. It's 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 tremendous. And it, it, it is funny. And you were very open about it back in 1994. I remember asking you about it then because I didn't know. And I remember how I had worked with you like two or three times. And somebody else had said, did you know he was the guy that talked to Dave Kingman? And I talked to Tommy Lasorda about Dave Kingman. And I'd heard the clip. And yeah. I didn't know it was you. And that, that was the, the, the thing. And uh, you were very open about it uh, then. Well, yeah, it's one of those things on the East Coast, not too many people know about it. on the West Coast and uh, L.A. area. It, it was well known. Uh, uh, it'll be I always say it'll be mentioned in the first paragraph in my West Coast obituary. Not the East Coast might, one. <laughs> might not be mentioned at all in the East Coast one. <laughs> <laughs> I think when Tommy retired from the Dodgers, the LA Times put together the top 10 moments, greatest moments of Tommy's Dodger career. And the uh, Kingman interview tape was third on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny when we uh, have done tributes uh, to, to, uh, to, to people who have passed in the sports world. Um, what I make sure we do on this podcast is we tell the complete story. So, for example, when Tommy Lasorda uh, passed, you know, we talked about his accolades. There's no question uh, about his success as a manager. But I talked about the time when he called me a communist. <laughs> and, and there was something also in 1994, before we get into the public address and what you're doing now. Um, and it was it was wild. It was wild because of the enormity of the thing. Um, there was a day. When. It was a Monday morning. I, I, I remember it clear as day. And my job as an intern was to answer the phone. <laughs> do you know where this is going? Yeah. Yeah. You do. And, and and my job was to answer the phone. And some guy from the New York Stock Exchange called the newsroom of WFAN, got me, and I was 20 at the time. And he's shouting. I remember he was shouting on the phone and he said, do you guys know anything about this? OJ Simpson killed his wife. <laughs> That's all he said. And I went up to you. I, I, I remember, I, I mean, I had barely met you. And I went up to you and I said something to the effect of this guy called from the stock exchange saying that OJ Simpson killed his wife. And you gave me a lecture on uh, not falling for every Tom, Dick and Harry that calls a radio station. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell the rest of the story. Tell the rest of the story. Well, it, 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 it uh, as I recall, it, it was the, the forerunner of an avalanche of calls, uh, basically from the same source, because of course they're connected to uh, lots of uh, financial institutions on the West coast as well. Uh, and they, they hear stuff before everybody else does. <laughs> Uh, and when, wild. when it became apparent that there had to be something to it because we got more than right. one call, right. uh, you know, you always want to have uh, two sources to back you up before you kind of act on something. Uh, we started uh, uh, looking on uh, television and then looking yep. for some sort of confirmation. And, we, and, and then, email uh, was in its infancy at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Internet was uh, not what it is today. Uh, probably for a good, <laughs> uh, uh, but we had to start developing that, uh, that story right there. And I was doing updates and, uh, I had to yep. go on and say, well, we've been getting these reports and, yep. uh, now the LAPD is involved, uh, something with OJ Simpson. And next thing you know, it, uh, it, it kind of the snowballed into this, this it was this nuts. It was nuts. Story yep. uh, that, uh, that of course had legs for a, 
uh, a long time. Well, and then I remember, and this doesn't, it didn't involve you, but uh, the day of the, uh, the chase, the Bronco chase, that was the day of the New York Rangers parade. And it has been cataloged perfectly in that ESPN 30 for 30 uh, on it's, I think it's June June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, it was the day the Knicks were in the NBA Finals. The Rangers had had their Stanley Cup parade, and Eric Spitz had asked me to go to the Rangers parade uh, to get man on the street interviews, like to interview fans. Yeah, and he later told me he had tortured me because he knew I was a Devils fan, <laughs> and he wanted to send the Devils fan to go to the Rangers parade, yeah. and so like we're talking about events that are like now they're shown in history books. Like that is sports history. The OJ Simpson trial is considered the trial of the century. And that story started and it was just like it, the, the kismet of you and I just happened to be in the same place at the same time at that exact minute. And you've been all over the place. And I just, I will never, that is ingrained in my memory. I was on the air in Las Vegas when the Challenger blew up. Uh, I was uh, you were on the radio. Yeah, I was substituting as the morning news anchor uh, for a fellow by the name of Steve Kindred uh, at uh, KNUU uh, Radio, which was an all-news radio station in Las Vegas. Uh, and and at that time, um, the the space shuttle launches have become so routine that uh, most radio and TV stations stopped carrying the launch live. Mm. Uh, but we had it in our, our, our what we call queue. Uh, we could listen to the CBS radio feed uh, in the newsroom, but we weren't carrying the, the, the uh, launch live because it just was just a routine thing. Uh, and then when uh, we heard uh, during commercial break, uh, the CBS people saying oh, something has gone terribly wrong, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we went on the air and said something's happened with the space shuttle. Uh, and we started broadcasting the news about that. And and oddly enough, uh, too. some strange show, speaking of phone calls, we had gotten a call in the newsroom from some guy uh, trying to explain to us that he thought the O-rings were were frozen or something was wrong with what he oh, called wow. the O-ring. And we had no idea what he was talking about, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, that turned out to be a, a major factor uh, in the tragedy. Uh, but at that time, we didn't know. And again, it was one of those things where we can't put that on the air. We First of all, we don't know what the guy's talking about, uh, or who this person is, uh, but he seemed to have an idea uh, right away that same day as to what the problem was because of the uh, cold uh, 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 freezing temperatures at launch time and uh, and apparently other problems that he was aware of uh, leading up to that launch, that fateful <laughs> launch. So yeah, I, I happened to be on the air uh, for uh, a few crazy things that uh, uh, notable things that have happened uh, I, I was I was I was the news anchor at KLAC uh, when the news of the uh, uh, the uh, Jim Jones massacre oh, uh, started developing, and I was the anchor. I still have my scripts uh, from that night; they're in storage out in Los Angeles. Uh, but it was just developing that I was I was a Saturday night, and I was the news anchor at KLAC on the weekends, wow. uh, on the evening shift, and this yeah. story started hitting the wires about this mass. Uh, uh, suicide at Jamestown yeah. or Jonestown, uh, and so uh, I was on the air for that. So I've been on the air uh, for some uh, some uh, historic stories uh, down through the years. As it turns out, just just happened to be in that particular place. More of sports with friends in just a moment. But in this NFL season, we are playing Prize Picks. It's a new daily fantasy game. All you do is you pick two to five players, and if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against anybody else. It's just you versus the projections you make. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, tennis, NASCAR, 
esports, WNBA, much, much more. You can do this so fast. I did it on the web. You can also do it on your phone. 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. There are safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. A quick reminder, this week starts the NBA season, which means you can go to prize picks and pick NBA players. We're not doing that on this podcast simply because the games might have happened by the time you're listening to it. So we'll stick to football. There's also the baseball playoffs, the postseason, the LCS round. I chose one quarterback from college football and then two from pro. First of all, Alabama's coming off a loss, and I always feel bad for the opponent that has to face Alabama the week after. Bryce Young of the Crimson Tide is projected for over 325 yards. I chose more. Thursday night football, the Arizona Cardinals taking on the New Orleans Saints. That Saints defense concerns me. I took Kyler Murray, 245 yards passing. I took more. And the same logic went for Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers are taking on the Washington Commanders, who stink. Green Bay has lost the last two weeks to the Giants and then the Jets. I think Aaron Rodgers and company feasts on Washington. Projected passing yard is 233.5. I'm also choosing more. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code FRIENDS. Remember, this is sports with friends. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Just enter the promo code FRIENDS at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We are playing Prize Picks on Sports with Friends this football season. Now back to the show. Uh, you stopped in Cleveland. You were with the then Cleveland Indians. Uh, my first major league job was Cleveland in 1988. 88 and 89. Then I came back to Los Angeles to broadcast uh, UCLA sports and LA Rams football and do ESPN baseball. And you were doing both at the same time, huh? All three. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I didn't go to, to St. Petersburg until, um, uh, 1998. Right. Later. Yeah. Much later. Yeah. So tell so tell me about Cleveland. How does that come about? Is that the same thing like the Jets? Like you just you sent a tape and they 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 dug you? Uh, no, I think the uh, the the commissioner at the time, uh, uh, Peter Ubroth, had uh, urged. Uh, um, I, I didn't I didn't I learned of this later on in an article, <laughs> uh, right. but he had urged uh, major league owners to expand their uh, 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 hiring net uh, to include more minorities uh, uh, and that included broadcasting uh, so I had really uh, I had had an, uh, a, a, a on the scene interview with the Orioles uh, just prior to being hired by Cleveland uh, I didn't get the Orioles job in fact uh, Gary Cohen with the longtime Mets announcer mm -hmm. uh, he and I were among the five finalists for the Orioles job to work with John Miller in oh, 1988, wow. huh. uh, 1988. And then, uh, uh, he got hired by the Mets in 89. Uh, I got hired by Cleveland like two weeks later after I get, I had uh, struck out with Baltimore. Huh. Uh, so I, I went to Cleveland and uh, worked with Herb score for a couple of years. And then, uh, my old radio station general manager called and says, uh, Hey, uh, one of our guys just quit the Joel Myers who was doing UCLA sports uh, to go to, he went to NBC yep. uh, suddenly uh, and they needed someone to take his place. And, and I was the one. Uh, so that, that was another one of those uh, don't have to really audition for the job, but it was my old boss from KLAC who had moved on to the radio station that carried UCLA sports. Uh, the legendary KMPC out in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, Dick Emberg had worked there. Al Michaels had worked there. Uh, uh, it was uh, known as the sports station in L.A. because uh, they carry the Angels, carry the Rams, carry UCLA. Well, and, and it has a different connotation, not to cut you off, but it has a different connotation now because there wasn't sports radio at that point. Right, so to say right. you're the sports station, that yeah. doesn't mean you were 24-hour sports. No, no, no. They were... 
basically a music disc jockey station that uh, carried sports. And uh, thankfully, all the disc jockeys on the station were sports fans. So there was a lot of sports talk during the day oh, uh, music station uh, a playlist. Uh, and there was enthusiasm for uh, UCLA, especially because that's when the Bruins were really, really good in basketball with John Wooden coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, luckily, uh, well, actually, there was that was post John Wooden, uh, but the Bruins were still pretty good uh, until I got there. <laughs> <laughs> Things went downhill with a lot of teams after I got hired. <laughs> Very nice. So Cleveland, I don't know if there was a connection or not. So Cle, so I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to trace it. So it's Cleveland, L.A., and then New York. And once you get uh, to New yeah. York, yeah. the opportunity you have the Jets job. How did yeah. the, how did you get the Yankees gig? Not the Yankee uh, Stadium Tom, gig. The Yankees. Tom Tom Seaver uh, got fired two weeks before the season began, uh, uh, and they needed somebody in the pinch. Wow. I was the guy. <laughs> I was again in the right place, right time. Yeah, well, we just had Dave Cohen on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Cohen is he, is Dave. He still, is he still in Atlanta? Uh he he lives in Atlanta. Yeah, oh. it, it was ironic. You know, we're talking about, you know, mid 90s Yankees announcers. Yeah. And, you know, George Stamina used to change announcers all the time. Like they, they would have different people all at Dwayne Stats did games, Dave Cohen, yourself, all well, these different. That, that, that was that wasn't the, the, he wasn't that wasn't like when he would change managers all the time. I mean, they, they, you know, uh, Dwayne Stats had a nice run. Uh, then uh, Dave had a nice run. Uh, Jim Cott was there. Tony Kubek. Uh, but that was tradition to have a lot of uh, announcers. It's still the case now with the Yankees. They on TV, they rotate a lot of uh, announcers in and out of the chairs, play-by-play -play and analysts. It's it's like a uh, tradition. Uh, yeah. So it's not a shock to see that happen. Except on radio, they don't do that. Of course, uh, right. uh, John does the majority of the radio stuff for the last you know hundred years. <laughs> right. He started what in the late eighties, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, pretty wild. Okay, so you're established. You're 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 in there. Let let's t tackle Tampa. How did Tampa come about? I uh, just got hired. Uh, my agent uh, at the time uh, had been sending tapes, unbeknownst to me. Uh, hmm. And then uh, I guess that's kind of routine. You 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 don't let your client know that they're really in the running until it becomes serious. Uh, there's no need to get anybody's hopes up about something. Right. Uh, so. Uh, I got uh, hired there uh, uh, in uh, for the inaugural season, 1998, uh, and spent seven years uh, doing uh, uh, radio and TV play-by-play uh, -play there for the uh, in St. Petersburg for the uh, Rays, the Devil Rays. The Devil Rays, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and I still live in St. Petersburg. I, I moved back there after moving away uh, to Los Angeles in the early 2000s uh, after after I left Tampa Bay I went back to LA uh, in 2005 uh, and took uh, five years off from play-by-play uh, 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 -play, traveling around and just did uh, um, weekend sports anchoring uh, at uh, the CBS all radio all news radio affiliate uh, there in LA and uh, and did a lot of photography went back to school, went to Valley College and became the photo editor of the newspaper and did uh, that That's and awesome. wrote for the school paper. It was a great time. I was in my mid-50s and I was yep. uh, obviously older than all the other students there, but it was fun to date, you know, 20-year-olds again. Was it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I had a wonderful time. And in fact, uh, I was just back there on campus uh, uh, three, four weeks ago visiting some of my old professors. I, I really had a wonderful time there and made a lot of friends, still in contact with a lot of the students that were uh, under my tutelage uh, there in uh, 2006 and 2007, still in contact with a lot wow. of people. So it was, a, it was a good time to take time off from uh, being a traveling baseball announcer. Yeah, I could imagine that's uh, it's it, it's hard to settle down. I mean, I, I've traveled with baseball teams and hated it. Um, I, I, you know, my kids were little. Last time I did it was with the Mets in 2014. And yeah. uh, 
you know, the road trips were great, but the homestands, you know, you're getting up, you know, you have a six and a three-year-old and you're not seeing them enough and, and, and yeah. you're spending every waking moment and then you're exhausted. And I lived in New Jersey and schlepped all the way to Queens and I hated oh, it. Oh boy. Uh, I hated it. It was uh, that, that Throg's Neck Bridge. If I never see that again, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the, the public address, you were, you were rather well known. Um, how did the Super Bowl come about? Uh, that was another one of those uh, uh, jobs that uh, Frank Ramos was our uh, PR director for the Jets. Yep. Uh, and he came up to me one day and said, hey, I was over at the NFL office uh, and they they have decided they just want to have one public address announcer for for all the Super Bowls from year to year. No matter what stadium, it, no matter right. what stadium it's in. Yeah, no matter what stadium. And, and he said, uh, are you interested in doing it? And I said, yeah, okay. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Just well, said, I yeah. remember, I remember in 1998, January, 1998, uh, I saw you and I couldn't believe it was you. Um, so it had been four years since the internship, uh, the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers were in San Diego. Yeah. And yeah. you were doing the public address and I couldn't, and, and all I remember telling the other Denver media that I was with was I know that guy. That's all <laughs> I kept saying was I, 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 I know him. He knows me. I know him. They're like, he doesn't know you. There's no way. And I just remember, I remember seeing you, uh, in the press area of the, what was that? Um, Jack Murphy stadium. Ah, the old Jack Murphy stadium. Yeah. yeah. State of the art at the time. <laughs> yeah, at the time uh, yeah i remember uh, yeah, the I halftime show was a motown tribute i remember that yeah it was like the temptations yeah. and the four tops i think diana ross was part of that wasn't she yeah because i know i i recall uh they flew her in on a helicopter uh and they decided that's probably not something they should do in the future uh just in case something bad happens they <laughs> They didn't want their, their halftime act to be uh, injured in an accident like a helicopter mishap on the way to the stage. So they stopped doing that. Uh, so, funny. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was a 12-year run uh, doing the uh, Super Bowl. And it was always fun uh, because I, I had to be at the stadium during the week leading up to the game for the halftime rehearsals. Oh. Uh, and, so you uh, always saw the acts. And also the pregame rehearsals, which included rehearsing the national anthem sure. uh, and so i could get uh the because they at that time they pre-recorded the uh a lot of the singing and so i could get an exact time for the national anthem because huh. that was a, that was a major proposition bet uh, That's right. places. <laughs> uh and i could tell uh, not that you knew i knew how long that. it was going to be yeah but uh, yeah I, so i knew so I I I I I said, why would anybody? Why would they do this when uh, there's bound to be somebody on that crew who's telling people exactly how long the anthem That's lasts? Awesome. That's tremendous. <laughs> That's tremendous. So I never did that. So uh, just in case uh, the NFL is thinking of hiring me again. That's too uh, funny. I that's yeah. the best part of this podcast. I learned things that I never would have known. That's that's <laughs> outstanding. Um, you're, you're, you know, you had been in New York, you had worked with the Yankees. Bob Shepard is getting to be like in his nineties. I, I remember that. Um, yeah. they had another guy that's, uh, Jim Hall, who was like a Bob Shepard impersonator. Uh, but well, then when they, he, moved... he always maintained, he wasn't an impersonator. He was, he was a student of Bob's at uh, St. John's in the speech department, uh, many years before he became his, uh, his number one replacement, but yeah, his style. Uh, I mean, sounded, I, I'm not close. saying he was trying to to do it. He sounded exactly the same. You yeah. you'd have to you'd have to be at the park to recognize the difference. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That 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 that, that happened a few times with me. I I because whenever I came in as a visiting announcer, I would always have uh, Bob or uh, Eddie Layton, the organist, on yep. my pregame show. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, I always like visiting with the with the. Uh, stadium PA announcers on my pregame show. Oh, that's great! Uh, uh, and then when I go over to the area, there was Jim and and uh, Bob had the day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So how 
you started with the with Yankee Stadium with the new ballpark, right? You right. your yeah. your first day doing the public address was their first day, correct? Yeah, yeah. We had the uh, it was an exhibition game, uh, a couple of them with the Cubs when uh, Lou Pinello was managing the Cubs. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was kind of like a, a, a shakedown cruise to make sure everything was working correctly. And I think the it was uh, uh, basically just a, an exclusive invitation to Bronx residents. Yeah, uh, I remember that. Yep. And so uh, uh, we got going there and then uh, in 2009, and I had been, uh, it was another one of those jobs that uh, out of the blue, I got a phone call. Are you interested? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, uh uh, Mike Bonner was my boss at the time uh, and had called the radio station, KNX, trying to track me down because uh, oh. no one had my number out in L.A. Right, right. Uh, but they knew that I worked uh, at KNX, I guess, you know, looking at the, the Internet and seeing where I was employed. Sure. Uh, and so uh, I got a call from uh, one of the guys at uh, KNX. Hey, some some guy from the Yankees is trying to track you down. I said, really? <laughs> so I uh, called uh, Mike and uh, he explained what was going on. Uh, and so at the time they didn't let me know that I was, I was basically their only candidate they were interested in. They made it uh, <laughs> seem like I was among a group of people who was going to audition. Right. Uh, and so they sent me a, a script and rehearsed it and then flew me in uh to the still under construction yankee stadium yeah uh and i read the script and a lot of the executives were sitting in various parts of the stadium listening to me uh i didn't know that at the time uh and as <laughs> i read the, uh, read the script uh and one of the funny parts about the script is that like i said the stadium was still under construction so there were a lot of uh, iron workers on duty oh. uh, and part of the script says uh and ladies and gentlemen, turn your attention to the skies as the U.S. Army Knights are going to parachute into Yankee Stadium. And so actually workers actually stop. They start, they stop and looking, they start looking up. Looking <laughs> Where? Where? That's <laughs> so awesome. That was, that was kind of fun. Uh, uh, so that's what the, uh, the uh, public address job. And it helped, it helped me, I think, that uh, people in New York knew who I was already from my previous stint. Sure. Uh, I had uh, been pals with Bob Shepard for many years, sure. so I didn't. I didn't feel the weight of oh, I'm replacing Bob Shepard. I mean, I, I, I'm following. I, I kind of reason why I'm following a friend, yeah. uh, and just uh, do your job, and they wouldn't have hired you if they didn't think you were capable. Uh, and so, uh, stayed in touch with Bob. I would call him on the phone uh, once a month. Uh, after I had gotten the job just to chat and say hello and check in with him uh, until he passed. And then uh, I continued to uh, do the same type of uh, check-in, say hi, call with his wife, Mary, oh, nice. uh, for many years. Till she she just passed earlier this year. Oh. Uh, uh, so I kept in touch with the Shepherd family for the last uh, 14 years in one fashion or another. My only experience with Bob Shepard was at the men's room of the press box at the old Giants stadium. The Giants oh, yeah. are getting crushed by Washington. Yeah. And I see him at the sink. He's, you know, at the sink washing his hands. And yeah. I, I, I well, that's, that's Bob Shepard. And I said, uh, excuse me. I said, I know you have to run. I, I said, I just want to let you know I'm a big fan. And, uh, I've been an admirer of yours since I was a kid. And uh, at that moment, the Washington, uh, they were the Redskins then, but uh, the Washington scored another touchdown. And Bob Shepard looks me right in the eye and just says, at least there won't be any traffic going home. <laughs> that was the only time I've ever had any interaction uh, uh, with, with Bob well, Shepard. Yeah, he did the PA for the Giants. For, for the Giants. Many years. Yep. Uh, many years uh 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 you know we he had a in the old yankee stadium uh press room which you recall yep. was on the ground level yes uh uh, uh and, and had a, a wood paneling yeah and a nice long 
bar that a lot of yeah. a lot of people sidled side, side up to that bar over the years. That's right. Uh, but he had a, he had his own uh, corner table, which was like a special area if you were invited to join him. Uh, it was like uh, having a a, a a a coronation with the king. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 you had a chance to sit down and, and shoot the breeze with Bob at his table uh, in the corner. Uh, so that was, those were those were fun years there with the Yankees. Uh, that was right at the cusp of them becoming the Yankees because that was when right. uh, Jeter was a rookie and you know Paul O'Neill was on the team and yep. uh, Posada and Bernie Williams and guys like that. Uh, uh, Andy Pettit. Uh, yeah, that right, yeah. Right, yeah, was Buck Showalter's a swan song. Yeah, uh, and they hired Joe Torre, and I had I had had a uh, history with Joe Torre. Uh, when I was in Los Angeles, uh, Joe and Reggie Jackson were the Angels TV announcers. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> quite a combination. Wow, uh, and so uh, Joe uh, in mid-season got hired by the Cardinals to manage uh, Saint, in St. Louis. And so, uh, again, I was in the right place at the right time uh, and was tabbed uh, uh, to replace Joe for the remainder of the season. So I got a half a season in uh, working with Reggie Jackson. That's uh, and so whenever I saw Joe in subsequent years, I'd always thank him because I made uh, enough extra money where I could buy a house <laughs> uh, and I always thanked them for, uh, for helping me buy, buy my first house uh, with the extra money I made filling in for him uh, That's great. after he had taken off to St. Louis. And of course, that was still before he became Joe Torre. Right. Uh, we all knew uh, Hall of Famer Joe Torre. Right. Uh, and in 2009, the Yankees had had their success. You know, they, they, you know, when, in 2009, that was the last year they went to the World Series. That was the Joe Girardi uh, yeah. Yankees went to the yeah. World Series. So your first season with the Yankees and they go and win the World Series. And it yeah. really was, you know, you have to believe that that's part of what endeared like Yankee fans love you. Like they, 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 they love that you're there. And I think that being there in 09 is a big part of it. It helps. Uh, yeah, we thought it was going to be the beginning of uh, another dynasty. Right. Uh, uh, things haven't worked out in that regard. Uh, uh, but yeah, coming in, I, I, my my previous, like I said, I have been with a lot of teams that weren't very good in various sports. Uh, and my previous uh, brush with uh, championship was uh, in 1986. So I was broadcasting the AAA Las Vegas team, a baseball team. Uh, and Larry Boa was in his first year as manager. Wow. Uh, and uh, we won the Pacific Coast League Championship uh, huh. and got a ring. And that, that was my previous chance at, uh, at being uh, awesome. at the top of the mountain. And that was my only other championship ring uh, that I've been with uh, that I've been able to acquire uh, outside of 2009. So I have two of them. And uh, believe me, uh, for guys... You know, there are a handful of guys who have never had a chance to to wear a championship ring. You uh, too. Uh, and so uh, the fact that I have one in the minor leagues and one in the major leagues, uh, I, I don't take lightly. That's really, really fascinating. I, I know you have to run. You, you have a game to do <laughs> later on today. Um, uh, yeah, I could that. do this for hours with you. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by these stories. Um, how much do you love the public address job like how happy are you doing this job um every time i see you you're you're jovial but i haven't seen you in a couple of years um how much at this stage of your life at this stage of your career how much is this like the perfect job for you uh well it it suits my personality just right i i get to i i'm in a room by myself uh i'm like a lot of guys and I've visited other public address announcers in the majors, and they're sitting out in the uh, major uh, working area of the scoreboard operation. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my buddy uh, Todd Lights, who's the Dodgers uh, public address announcer. Uh, here's another odd story. 
uh, Todd and I were the news and sports anchor at KNX Radio uh, when I went back to L.A. in 2005. <laughs> and I, and uh, that was before he became the Dodgers PA announcer. He's only been there for eight years. Uh, but uh, Todd uh, is a uh, is a accomplished opera singer, and so he used to do the national anthem uh, for a lot of the, either the Padres or the Dodgers or the Angels or whoever would hire him. He he would sing the national anthem prior to games. Uh, long before he became the public address announcer at Dodger Stadium. Hmm. Uh, but we worked together as news and sports anchor. Oh, uh, wow. So whenever I would visit him out there in L.A., you know, he's sitting in on the front row, but with a whole bunch of other people. I'm in a room by myself, uh, uh, and it's a nice little room uh, with uh, amenities and a refrigerator and a microwave and a coffee sure. maker and all that sort of thing. And uh, the Yankees trust me uh, to uh, say and do the right thing. So I have uh, the uh, uh, not script approval, but I, I go over the script uh, that we get each each game. Uh, and if I make you know certain changes, uh, there was a time when I when I changed and, and crossed out one entire paragraph. They were uh, happy with. So I don't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> Not without telling them, yeah, but they would trust me to, to uh, take care of the script and sweeten it and, and uh, yeah, uh, kind own. of rewrite it in my style. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a perfect job, and the Yankees take care of me. I still do a lot of stuff for the Yankees down in uh, uh, Tampa with the with the uh, fantasy camps. We have four oh, fantasy cool. camps during the off season, and I uh, uh, MC and the do play-by-play for the fantasy campers. That's that's a great time. Well, that's everybody, a lot of fun for them. Everybody's too. happy. Uh, yeah. you know, everybody's glad to be there and, and have a lot of fun. Uh, and and I and I you know live in the area and say over in St. Petersburg. So uh, uh, and and I do the spring training games uh, there in Tampa. That's great. So uh, it's that's it's great fantastic. to be connected to the Yankees. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful job and. Hope to be in it for several more years. I won't make fifty-seven years like Bob Shepard. No, uh, that's a guarantee. <laughs> that's a guarantee. It won't be fifty-seven years. But I'll, well, I'll tell you what. Um, year fifteen next year will be my fifteenth year. Let's. I, I, there's so much that we didn't cover. Uh, I, I want to talk to you more about that team and 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 what that was like. I also want to ask you about uh, doing these games when there were no fans. I, th- I found that fascinating. Um, and the other thing, uh, your photography is is fascinating. You you always on social media, you're you're, you're always posting uh, pictures from these games, and I can see that you're having an absolute blast. It just I, I can feel uh, the, the the enthusiasm. Um, let's do this. Let's in the off season before you head down to Tampa or something when you're when you're not traveling the world. Uh, let's sit down and let's do this again. Well, if, if the Yankees don't win today, I'll be back in St. Petersburg by Thursday. Then again, people could be listening to this in the future, and they know what happened. And uh, also, do me a favor, tell me how the flying car is. Uh, <laughs> uh, you never know uh, how the, 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 the idea is. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for, for taking some time. And like I said, it's a, it's a busy time. This was really fun. And I hope our audience uh, is, is amazed by your stories as, as, as I've always been. Uh, continued success to you. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. The great Paul Olden right here on Sports with Friends. This was so much fun. And uh, yeah, there's so much more to him than meets the eye. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all the support. This was another great one. Our thanks to Paul Olden. This is Sports with Friends. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Count my days, I'm gone. Forget reaching me by phone. Because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you 
see me again I hope that you have been The kind of person That you really are now You got to get in straight How could I ever be late When you're my woman Taking up my time